Hi, and welcome to Renton Christian Center's Recorded Ministries. As members of the body of Christ, we offer love and encouragement to everyone. As Pastor Alex leads us through God's Word, we hope you will be lifted and filled with joy as we open our hearts and minds to the love of Jesus and the hope He gives us all. Alright, if you have a Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Galatians 5. Verse 1, <clears throat> I'm not putting all the scriptures on the PowerPoint anymore because I want you to bring your Bibles or bring your device and you can you know, dial up Galatians 5.1 there because I want you to learn how to use it, number one, become familiar with that book. It's the best book you'll ever own and make notes and put underlining and scribble and scratch. And Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. New Testament, after both Corinthians and right before Ephesians, you'll know you're close if you see one of those three books. So I've been doing this series, and I'm calling it kind of a, a two-part two title. I call it The Cure for Boredom. You know, I, I read this line somewhere, and then I thought, that's totally true about me. One of my most common times of falling into temptation is when I'm bored. I just need to get the adrenaline running. I just need to get something happening, just make something, you know, exciting occur. And in fact, I remember one day I, I was so bored. I was about 17 years old, and it's a summer day, and I, I just needed something to do. And so what I did was um, I decided to steal a coil out of the back of a Volkswagen, a Volkswagen Bug. I just, I, I just need, to, I need to go do something exciting and adventurous. I need to take a risk. And so I just walked along the shopping center and found this Volkswagen bug parked out behind a row of stores. It looked like it was just kind of an old alley and nobody was going to be coming out. And so I popped the hood and it's two bolts for a coil. I had a, a Volkswagen. I needed a coil. I figured that's the best way to get one. So I'm, I'm, I'm bolting this thing, pulling the two plugs out. And, and I had it out. And as soon as I did, I closed the hood. A door opens and it's the manager of the store that owns the Volkswagen. And I ran. I just took the coil, it was about the size of a, you know, a pop can, and I, I ran and scaled this eight-foot fence and, and ran to my friend's house who lives in the neighborhood, and, and I said, hey, John, John, I just stole a coil. He goes, what's wrong with you? I was bored. Anyway, I, uh, I turned myself in, and they let me go. Just a, a dumb 17-year-old mistake. The point is, boredom is really not a small deal. We have to recognize, especially in a culture where everything is kind of served to us on a platter, um, it's easy to just kind of get bored with life, and, and that's a, a quick way to get into trouble. And um, so this little series, The Cure for Boredom, I've been, I've been thinking about what does God provide, what does God offer to Christians to keep life exciting? And so I, my, my subtitle is Adventures in God. Um, God always provides an opportunity to go on an adventure if we're willing to, to step through these doorways of opportunity. And so I've talked about the, the adventure of faith. Faith is basically every time God says to you, hey, I've got a, an opportunity for you to do this. Um, you know, go take care of your grandma this afternoon. Go help so-and-so move. Go, you know, go do something that's kind of out of your mainstream life. And we have the option of kind of like facing this, this wall and stepping through that door by saying yes. And oftentimes we don't know what's on the other side because the adventure of faith 
often requires us to kind of trust the unknown, but because God is the one calling us to that, it's a, it's a smart kind of trust. It's a trust that kind of has wisdom in it. And then there's the, the, the adventure of love. A lot of times when God says, hey, you need to lay down your life. You need to serve here. You need to uh, kind of go put your own needs aside and meet these needs right here. You need to care for this person and love somebody. And sometimes that doorway requires us to just simply say, yes, I'll do that. And a lot of times it's sacrificial, it's painful, it's um, you know, not really what I would choose to do with my day off or something like that. But on the other side, there's an adventure because the unknown becomes knowable and God kind of opens things up. I call those doorways like a portal. It's like you're passing through from the realm of the familiar into the unknown. But it's the unknown where God knows everything. And he's got an adventure waiting for us. The problem with staying on this side of those walls sometimes, it may be familiar. It might be easier. We might have it kind of pretty well managed. We know what to expect over here because this is my world. But it gets boring. It just gets a little too easy, a little too manageable. And we were designed to walk by faith, not by sight. Amen? So I want to just kind of stay on that, on that track a little bit longer. And I want to talk about breaking through walls. Now, if this wall represents an opportunity to kind of get out there to freedom, what would you call the area inside the wall? Prison? Uh-huh. What else? Complacency. Yeah, what else? What would you call inside the walls? Familiar? Bondage. Good word, yeah. Huh? Defeat. Yeah, what else? Safe. Sure. Yeah, all those things. Right, all of those things. The Bible uses the term bondage. also uses the word strongholds. There's kind of this... this uh, whole world of, of metaphor, picture words that describe what it's like kind of staying in this safe zone where we have everything under control, but a lot of times it is literally like a straitjacket. It's bondage. It's a stronghold. And so I want to talk about strongholds. The, the thing I don't like about this topic is it makes everybody uncomfortable. And when you're uncomfortable, then I start feeling uncomfortable, you know. I don't really want to tread here, but, but you know, rather than being afraid of it, we ought to go, you know, there is something on the other side of that wall that is absolutely mind-blowingly exciting. There's nothing like freedom when you really taste freedom. There's nothing like being released when God sets you free from something. And so I go, let's just take a look at that. It could be a cool adventure. So I want to talk about strongholds, and here's where we get into Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So he's saying, look, you've been set free by Christ. Just stay there. Stand firm. Don't move. Don't budge. Don't go back again to that yoke of slavery. There's another kind of a picture word. A yoke is that, that wooden sort of bar that holds oxen together, you know, and they're, they're roped together. That's like the yoke of slavery. I'm yoked to this sin or something like that. Same thing as a stronghold. They're all metaphors for, for just kind of being trapped. And so let's take a look at what would it be like to stay where I am and what would it be like to be free? 
So let's do a couple of definitions here. The first one would be, what is a stronghold and how are they formed? There's a verse in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. I did just kind of contract that one. It's a long verse, but Paul basically says, the weapons that we fight with, the weapons Christians have, the Bible, prayer, authority in Christ, fellowship with one another, the strength of the body, the weapons we fight with have divine power to demolish strongholds. So Paul's just saying, hey, there are strongholds out there and in here and, and they're all around. So he uses the word very clearly. And, and the, the word is interesting because it, it comes from the Greek word which means a castle, a fortress, or a region with fortified walls. So you've got this picture of, I mean, if I were a king and I wanted to live in a, a safe zone, I would build walls, right? If I were in a castle, I'd build walls and a moat and put guards and spears and razor wire and everything else around it because I want to be safe. But in this case, it's the opposite of safety. It's, it's entrapment. Okay, so a stronghold is where I feel just sort of enclosed and, and I'm trapped and I, I can't get out. And strongholds always begin with what Paul calls the sins of the flesh. It's those natural desires that are God-given. I mean, they could be a great desire. Something that you just want, you have an appetite for. They're God-given, but they're now running amok. It's kind of like they've taken over. I can't get enough of this. I need potato chips. You know, where you just get focused. You need, ah. okay, it's when desires run amok. That's what a sin, quote, of the flesh is all about. And in any time we give in to those things, it's kind of like feeding the dog. Remember Dana's story? That was an awesome story. Anytime we feed Ricket, that was the dog's name, Ricket and Shine. If you didn't hear that story, you got to get the CD. We, we made copies. It was powerful. Anyway, anytime you feed Ricket, man, you are destined for destruction because that dog is just going to suck the life right out of you. Anytime we feed the new nature, Shine, the good dog, he just brings life and joy and peace and we strengthen our spirit and that whole thing. So anytime I feed the old nature, I'm basically contributing to the wall of this stronghold, it's like I'm building my own wall of my own prison. I mean, talk about stupid, but we do that. And we're just kind of blind to the fact that we're even doing it sometimes, but we just do. So when Dana is reading that story, I remember thinking, gosh, I mean, it's like God was, does he do this to you? He just sort of tells you where you're doing that very thing. When you're listening to a sermon, you go, that's just so me. I'm just going, stupid, what's wrong with me? But it was very helpful because when it's illuminated, then you have a solution. There's a chance to get free. So anyway, Dana's reading along, and I was thinking, you know, there's this thing about me, and I think it might be true about you, where when I have temptation facing me, I usually, not every time, but usually just flat-out pick sin over obedience. I just flat-out pick it. And I know, I call it willful indulgence. I just want that. I don't care what God thinks. I hope he forgives me. I hope nobody finds out, but I'm just going to do it. That's just this willful choice. I'm going, I thought that was dead, man. I thought I was a Christian, but still I got this thing working in me where I just choose it. I'm going, stupid, but I do. Not very often, thank God, but I do that. And so I thought, you know, willful disobedience is probably common for humans, and so I thought, let me find a little video. So I found this little kid 
on YouTube. You just look up willful disobedience and you'll, there's like, there's film, film, video after video. Now, is that me and you or what? It's just us. And that's how, you know, typically it's probably one and a half years old or something. That's what typical one and a half children do, year old children do. Our kids did it, I did it, our grandkids do it. I mean, that's just kind of human nature. So I just want you to know, you're not alone when it comes to strongholds. We all have a tendency to just kind of feed them out of both our stupidity and our sin nature and because that's the human condition ever since Adam and Eve. So think about the areas where, where you struggle with that pressure to just go off the rails and do the wrong thing. Think about those areas and, and recognize this. Um, gosh, one of my old habits was when I would cross those lines, I would say, oh, that's just a, that's a guilty pleasure. That's not that big a deal. That's just a weakness I have. That's just a, you know, I just kind of, you know, I just need a little detour now and then, but I'm coming back. It'll be okay. I'm reading a devotional. It's really powerful these days. And uh, it says, no, it's none of those things. Not just a mistake. It's actually rebellion against God. Ew, that's a powerful term. So I'm thinking, okay, I, I gotta take my you know, humanity a little bit more seriously, my Christianity a little bit more seriously. So if I wanna know what a stronghold is, now I know. If I know how they grow and how they get built, now I know. So I just don't wanna give the devil you know, like a, a straight jacket and say, here, put it on, you know. Here's a chain, here's a padlock, and here's the key, here, put it on. You know, that's kind of what we do. So we just want to make sure we're not involved in building the walls. We want to do everything we can to tear the walls down. So second question we have to ask then is, who's the devil and what are his tactics? There's a TV show coming out. I've only seen the commercial. It's called Lucifer. Seen that? You know, um, the tagline is, he, makes bad, he gives bad a good name. Oh, oh, don't even start with me. That is so wrong. Just to make it sound, oh, cute and entertaining. Oh, ha, ha, ha. We're going to worship the bad guy now. Woohoo! he's the hero. So anyway, here's what, what Paul says about the devil and his tactics. He, he's talking about in this particular case, in relationship, where things break down, don't be angry and start beating each other up with your words. Don't leave things unresolved because when you do that, you give the devil a foothold. I think it's true about any kind of temptation and sin, don't you? It's not just anger. Anytime we yield to it, we give the devil a foothold. So there's another, there's another kind of metaphor, picture where, anybody ever done rock climbing? Okay, a little bit, yeah. You know, I mean, you, you literally, you can, if you get the right shoes, they're called EBs, and you're roped up and you got the right gloves, you can stand on ledges this big as firmly as a, as a kitchen floor because, I mean, it's just really cool how those shoes work and if you're doing it right. Anyway, it doesn't take much, but those are what the footholds are. They're little spots that you can land and actually take a breather sometimes and let go of one hand and wipe the sweat off your face and then get going again. So that's what a foothold is. And again, uh, the original word is kind of cool. It's the word topos in Greek. Does that sound like a word that you know in English? Topography, yeah, it's like the land. It's sort of the area. It means a place that's marked off by boundaries. It's a territory, okay? So Paul's saying, don't give the devil any territory. And if my life 
were kind of laid out in a map, a flat, you know, two-dimensional piece of paper. This is Alex's life. Here's his family, his church life. Here's his sports. Here's his music. Here's his fun. Here's his work. If that were my life, he's just saying, don't let him have any county or city or country there. Okay, don't give him a foothold. So that's the picture. And so if we're to to kind of figure out what Satan is trying to do, the question was, what does he like to do? What are his goals? Um, He's trying to take little parts of our territory from us and own it. So what he likes to do is wait for a moment of weariness or weakness so he can snatch them up when we're not looking. Gotcha! And before we know it, like we're getting squeezed down and squeezed in and like we have less room to move and again, that freedom that we used to have becomes more of a prison. You see, here's what Satan's like. Powerful word. He's an opportunist. He's an opportunist. He doesn't care how wonderful you are or how hard your life is. He will take advantage of you at every single opportunity. Gotcha. You weren't looking. Gotcha. You're having a horrible day. You just lost a loved one. Gotcha. He doesn't care. He is absolutely creepy. He is awful. He is evil. Second thing about Satan is he will exploit whatever he can. Any any little crack entry point into your life, he will exploit that and just slip right through. He's always absolutely incessantly after new territory in our lives. So here's an example about how aggressive he can be. I'm a reasonably good guy. I I have high moral standards. I love Jesus. I keep my marriage vows. I fight the battle of the eyes and the ears and every other sensory thing that gets invaded all the time. But you know, Satan is so aggressive. One day I was, I don't know, I think I was uh, at a lunch meeting near the airport, SeaTac. And uh, lunch was over, and so I was going to the parking lot to my car, you know, kind of in the ho- hotel district. And literally, I hear this voice, hey, 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 buddy. I'm looking around, where is that coming from? And like on the sixth floor in this window, I mean, literally 300 yards away is this girl sitting on the windowsill. Hey, buddy, come on up. It freaked me out. I was terrified. I went, ah! <laughs> and I jumped into my car as fast as I could. I drove away. It just, I've never had anything so ridiculously upfront happen to me. It, it really, and I'm thinking, I wasn't even looking for that. That's the nature of our adversary. He will just come after you and blindside you and sneak in and when you least expect it. Now, I'm thankful that I was terrified. You know, imagine if I had been feeding that area of my life just a little bit here and there and here and there and here and there, here and there, and I just kind of open to it. Not a big deal. I've sort of got it managed. I'm sort of under control. And that happened again. What do you think might happen? I don't want to think about it. But you see, that's, that's what happens when we give the devil a foothold. We think we've got it managed because it seems relatively small compared to everything else that's going right. And so the problem is Satan is aggressive. He's an opportunist, and he doesn't really care how hard your life is. He will take over if he can. Don't give the devil a foothold. That's what Paul says. I think that's a really, really good one. It's important that we we're clear about a couple of things about strongholds. Um, First of all, stronghold is more than a sin. 
it's when Satan, like, you know, you might just have this random sin that you hadn't done for a year and probably won't do again for another year. That's just a random sin. That's human condition. We, we tend to do that. But when it happens over and over again, it's when a sin is supercharged. It's like there's this energy to it. And like you're walking, you say, I want to follow Jesus, want to follow Jesus, and you just can't help yourself. And suddenly you're over here. That's when you know you have a stronghold. So when those kind of things happen and you feel horrible afterwards, you're ashamed, you're embarrassed, you're going, I hate myself. And you repent and you get it right. But the fact is, it's probably going to happen again and then again and then again. That's when it's more than just a sin, it's a stronghold. And so what we have to do is recognize, okay, this is bigger than me. First thing, we have to recognize it's more than just a sin. The second thing is usually when those things occur in our lives, we keep them secret because it's so embarrassing. We're so ashamed, and we just have to go, you know, the longer I keep this a secret, the longer the devil is in charge. Darkness is where he lives. Light is where Jesus lives. i got to figure out a way to just safely, with someone I trust, beginning with my God, tell the truth. Okay, so that's the devil, and that's his tendency. This is just going to be kind of a light overview. Just want to kind of get some wheels turning, and processing this stuff will take a long time in a safe relationship, or maybe in a small group that you're meeting with, or something like that. But it's all, you know, this is going to be happening for your whole life, my whole life, so it doesn't I mean, you've got to be intimidated about it or like this is odd and scary. No, it's just normal. It's just what it's like to be a human, even a Christian human. But we've got to break down those walls if we want to be free. The third thing we want to ask is, um, how can we get free? God's solutions, threefold, honesty. 1 John 1, 9, anybody have that memorized? Very good. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So just being honest with God, number one, it's not like he doesn't know. You know, have you ever snuck off and go, okay, wait, God, stay right there. <laughs> I'm going to go do something. I'll be right back. Don't look. <laughs> yeah, it never happens. He knows anyway, right? So the thing we want to do is go, okay, I acknowledge that what you see is really happening. That's all it is. I've been addicted to that. I've been saying yes to this, and I know I should be saying no to that. It's true. That's the first step. It's just being honest. Second step is surrender. Surrender. You know what? Honesty makes God smile. You ever feel like God's frowning at you? I do. I've got this like overly active guilt thing all the time. God's ticked off again. No, honesty makes him smile. Surrender makes God smile. He just loves it when we go, I trust you. And you know, those two things, all they are is facing that block wall, seeing that there's a portal that we could pass through out of this realm of familiar bondage into the realm of unknown freedom and see what happens. That's why it's an adventure, because you don't really know. Here's a curious story. I remember sharing this concept years ago with a gal in our church. In fact, Pam and I, she asked us to do some counseling, and Pam and I were there together, and we were kind of sharing this concept with her, and, and we told her, you know, you, you don't have to. She kind of identified with, a, I don't know, there's a lot of stuff in her head about 
her identity, and it had a lot to do with beauty and fitness and, I mean, real, to the point of idolatry. It was just crazy. And, um, and we were, were sharing with her that that could be kind of a stronghold, you know. That's, you're just average. <laughs> and you put yourself under all kinds of pressure, and everybody else around you under pressure when you behave this way. Anyway, we said, you could be free from that. And here was her comment. She goes, well, then who will I be if I'm not her? And she shut down. She refused to go through the door because of the unknown. It is a little scary, but it's only scary when you don't know Jesus. When you know how good your God is, how gracious and kind and, oh, rich he is, man, you will run through the door. Out of this realm, through the portal, into a realm, the universe of his goodness, his kindness, his grace, his power. And yeah, you might become a person you've never known before, but you'll be the better and best person you could ever be in him because you'll be free. So anyway, honesty, surrender. The third one is accountability. Kind of once you break out of something, okay, a good familiar story because a lot of us have either dealt with it or know somebody who has is alcoholism. That's a real common bondage, obviously. And um, people who break out of alcoholism, especially those who do it through the power of the Holy Spirit, know that they have to stay accountable to other people. Otherwise, it's easy to go back. So accountability is simply a way of saying, can you help me not go back to prison? I mean, I I don't want to be stupid because I, I for some reason, have this crazy idea that it's better in there than it is out here. And it's just something I've been trained to think for 30 years, and I'm trying to break out of it, but I need your help. Having an outside party really helps. Just say, I just want to stay free, okay? So that's what accountability is. It's something that you invite. It's not something that somebody, I'm going to be your accountability partner now. Tell me everything. That's, uh-uh. that's not safe. Don't respond to those people. It's something that you invite. Um, one of the uh, things I love about the arts, music, books, videos, poetry, is because they, they often give us a really a fresh way of looking at spiritual principles. Even if the music or the song or the movie is not necessarily Christian, the principles can be very, very illuminating. And um, I saw this uh, movie years ago. It's called Truman. Anybody see Truman? Jim Carrey. Um, I have a little clip of it. I want to show it to you. And uh, there's two characters, Jim Carrey, who's Truman, and the director, And I just want you to understand that the director is clearly, if you put it into this context, playing the role of Satan. Just listen to his voice and just look at his presentation even. And just watch uh, Truman's response. Let's take a look. I can hear you. Who are you? I am the creator of a television show that gives hope and joy and inspiration to millions. Then who am I? You're the star. Was nothing real? You were real. That's what made you so good to watch. Listen to me, Truman. There's no more truth out there than there is in the world I created for you. Same lies. The same deceit. 
But in my world, you have nothing to fear. I know you better than you know yourself. I never had a camera in my head. You're afraid. That's why you can't leave. It's okay, Julian. I understand. I have been watching you your whole life. I was watching when you were born. I was watching when you took your first step. I watched you on your first day of school. <laughs> the episode when you lost your first tooth. You can't leave, Truman. Please, God. You belong here. You can do it. With me. Talk to me. Say something. Well, say something. You're on television. You're live to the whole world. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> yeah. So there's the invitation. Our Heavenly Father is just saying, it may be familiar, you may feel controlled, it may be scary to, to follow him and say yes. But Jesus said, if you have a, a mustard seed of faith, you can tell this mountain to move and it'll move. I used to get so confused by that verse because I was kind of waiting for something really geographically huge to happen when I prayed. And um, then I, I, I learned that no, this little mustard seed Faith is simply the tiny option that we have every single day to say yes or no. And the step of faith, the simple tiny thing is for me to just say yes. I'll step through out of the old into the new. Out of sin into the light. I'm going to trust you, God. It's something I'm not familiar with. I don't know the ropes. I can't manage it. Life over here is going to be an adventure, but it's going to be way better than anything I've experienced in the past. That's why Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Over here is where dreams die. You've got dreams. God has put them into your heart. He wants to fulfill them. When you stay on this side of the wall, they just begin to fade, and you become less and less confident they'll ever come to pass. When you step through, suddenly those dreams get reinvigorated and ignited with life and hope and possibility and you go wow it's any, God could do anything because I'm now on his side on his terms so he's inviting you to come so Kevin can you come back with the worship team I want to close with that song Holy Spirit you're welcome here and as these guys come up I'd like you to to pray with me and uh, give Jesus a chance to speak
So, Lord, we thank you so much that you are um, the almighty God of the universe. And because of that, there is fear, Lord, involved in our relationship because you are so much more powerful, so much more holy than any of us here, Father. But at the same time, you demonstrated your tenderness by sending your Son. And Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. And when we look at Jesus, we see kindness and grace, a God willing to sacrifice and lay down his life for us. So, Father, would you give us the courage to step through the doorway you put before me? Whatever that is for every one of us, Lord, the doorway that's been offered many, many times, probably the last few weeks, months, or years, and we've just said, no, I don't think so. Lord, let today be the day we pass through the portal into the heavenlies, the place where your light, your life, your power, your freedom, your joy reside. Give us the courage to say yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we stand together and sing? Ah uh-huh.
flood this place. Let the water of life flow from the top of our heads, through our brains, into our hearts, and to the soles of our feet. Lord, flood us with your presence, with that clean, light, bright presence of Jesus. We thank you that we have been set free, Lord. And even if sometimes it feels like our freedom doesn't stick, Lord, help us to never, ever give up and to come back to you and say, Lord, I'm opening the door. I'm coming through again. And I'm going to fight until I win. We thank you, Lord, that the victory is ours and we keep saying yes to you. We look forward to this joyous 2016, Lord, a year of adventure, of whole new realms of life and purpose. We thank you for your grace and your goodness for inviting us in. In Jesus' name, church said, I know that some of you probably had some things stirred up a little bit and maybe need a little more time to process. So if you'd like to pray or share, there are leaders here who'd love to come and talk with you a little bit and kind of send you on your way. You're welcome to come forward. Otherwise, God bless you. See you next Sunday. God's Word is so awesome. Thanks, Pastor Alex. I hope this message blesses you as it does me. We have an awesome time of worship during each of our services. We have infant and child care available, as well as complete children's education program. We host the Wildfire Youth Programs Wednesday evenings. Be sure to visit our website at rccfoursquare.org. Here's a final word from Pastor Kevin. thoughts about your purpose in life? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you walked away and it's time to come home. You know, really our walk with God is about a personal relationship with Him. That's what He wants. I believe that's what we want. I encourage you to take a few moments and allow this message to sink in. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we draw close to Him, that He will draw close to us. So do that.
do that today.